How much do doctors in Australia make? From first year junior doctor all the way to consultant. Which specialty makes the most? And what are the pathways for doctors wanting to come to Australia? My name is Dan. Welcome to the Passive Income Doctor podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast is for entertainment purposes. Nothing here is financial advice. Please speak to your trusted professional advisors. Views expressed by podcast participants are solely their own. So this is a commonly requested topic. How much do doctors in Australia actually make? So in this episode, I'm going to break it down. We're going to be talking about junior doctors. We're going to be talking about GPs. We're going to be talking about non-GP specialists. And we're also talking about pathways to be able to come and work in Australia. So let's get started. Doctors are ranked among the highest income earners in Australia. So are all doctors super wealthy and living in mansions? Well, not quite. This data that they obtain is taxable income. And unlike, say, um, big business owners, you can't reduce taxable income uh, easily. And also there are other um, jobs out there such as trades that the hourly rate can be very high, you know, $100, $150. But in the statistics, the taxable income is low, relatively speaking. And this could be for a variety of reasons. And also, interestingly, you know, CEOs are on the list quite further down. But obviously, there's a huge discrepancy between what the top CEO um, of a big bank and then, you know, like a small non-profit organization, you know, could range from, you know, 50 grand all the way to, you know, 10 million. Doctors come to Australia from all around the world, such as the UK, US, uh, Malaysia, really all around the world. And UK, especially in recent times, a lot of publicity about doctors leaving the NHS and migrating to countries such as Australia. So Australia has a relatively high cost of living though, especially housing, whether you're buying or renting. This is more so in the major cities, especially Sydney and Melbourne. However, overall, anecdotally, um, you know, the UK doctors that come still overall are better off financially, partly because um, the pay rates are much better here compared to, say, the UK so let's talk about junior doctors. So you're an intern or PGY1, postgraduate year one. Now the pay rates vary between the different states, Tasmania and New South Wales being the lowest and Queensland and Western Australia being the highest. So for New South Wales, as a PGY1 first year doctor, the base salary is $71,000. And then in PGY2, it goes up to 83000 and so on. If you're a first year registrar, it's 104,000 base. And then it progresses up when you're a fourth year registrar, it's $130,000 base. Now contrast this with Queensland. As a PGY1, you make $79,000. So this is $8,000 more than New South Wales. In Western Australia, it's $80,000. And of course, we're talking about base salary. You know, if you have overtime, it can add anywhere from another twenty to forty thousand dollars, depending on kind of 
how much overtime you do, weekend shifts, etc. So there are overtime penalty rates. So in New South Wales, overtime is if the shift is longer than 10 hours. So the next two hours after that is 1.5 times and then any hours over that is paid at double. Penalty rates are also there for working what they call less sociable hours. So from Monday to Friday, 6 p.m. to midnight, you get 12.5% extra. And for night shift between midnight and 7 a.m., you get 25% extra. Saturdays, you get 50% extra. Sundays, 75% extra. And I should point out penalty rates apply only on ordinary hours, um, not on overtime hours. So one thing I did is when I wanted to boost my income in junior years is to pick up extra shifts, um, especially the weekends. Often there would be some other colleagues who'd be happy to swap out of the shifts. So I guess um, it is always available. Let's talk about how much GPs earn or general practitioners. It varies. If you're working eight hours a day, you may bill around, you know, $1,500 to $2,200 a day. And usually you take home around 65% of that. Um, you know, the service fee charged by the clinic might be 35%. So you might take home $1,200 to $1,500 per day. This is assuming though that you're fully booked. Um, sometimes when you're new and building a patient base, it may be less. And the numbers work out that roughly if you see 40 to 50 patients a day in a bulk billing clinic, you take home around the similar if you were seeing 25 to 30 patients a day in a private billing clinic. And obviously in recent times, there's been a move with more and more clinics in Australia moving from bulk billing to mixed billing or even fully private billing. So mixed billing means some people may still be eligible to be bulk billed, such as pensioners or children under a certain age but the funding for GPs over the last few decades has steadily declined and, and some clinics have actually um, gone bankrupt and had to close up due to not being financially viable. So how much do GPs earn per year then? It's roughly 250 to 300,000 assuming you're full-time you know working um, four full days or five days a week. A Mabel survey by the University of Melbourne Medical Workforce 2010 showed that the mean annual gross earnings for a GP was 177000 and comparing this to non-GP specialists, that was 316000 So you can see quite a big gap there, almost double. They looked at some factors influencing the earnings of GPs and medical specialists Rural GPs often work more hours, do some hospital work, whether it be ED work, whether it be ad, ad, admitting rights, which can boost the income. Procedural work, such as skin cancer GPs, GPs who do cosmetics, they can earn more. I personally know many GPs that are part-time though, due to finding the full-time work being too difficult, a um, bit too draining, often you know, it can be pretty full-on days, back-to-back patients running late and having to, yeah, you know, walk um, every time patient comes in, have to try and assess what they've come in with and, you know, come up with the correct diagnosis. 
investigations, management, explain it to the patients, arrange follow-up. It can be um, quite um, mentally um, draining sometimes. So there has been a trend, GPs, over the decades to work more part-time hours. You could also argue as well patients have become more complex with chronic disease as well. GPs might also want to cut down hours and have other interests. It could be doing telehealth, it could be consulting for government or the local primary health networks. It might be teaching medical students at local universities. It could be surgical assisting. So GP is great for what's called a portfolio career where you can have diverse interests and keep it interesting and learn new skills as well. Some rural GP locums can pay quite well. You know, you hear of up to $2,700 a day. Of course, though, these are usually where you're solo doctor in a rural town um, covering the emergency department. So you need to be confident managing extremely unwell patients, airway skills, might need to liaise with um, retrieval and if there's delays, you have to manage them until they come. And usually you're on call for that 24-hour period. And you need to factor in time away from family, travel time, getting to that location, travel time back home. It may not be for everyone. And also if you work out an hourly rate, might not be that great. Usually for these rural locums, they will cover flights, accommodation. Sometimes they might provide a rental car as well. And another avenue for GPs to make money could be practice ownership. You know, obviously you have a chance of making more money, but there's also a chance of um, going under as well, like any business. There's a lots of challenges at the moment in this space, which is probably outside the scope of this podcast. But if you had, for example, 10 full-time doctors working in your clinic, you could earn a few hundred thousand dollars more. Um, but not many clinics reach this size and scale. And to be able to coordinate all the staff, um, you know, payroll, uh, rent, consumables, reception staff, nursing staff, applying for grants for governments, etc., etc. Often the industry benchmark, um, what they talk about is you kind of need three to four full-time doctors to have your clinic kind of break even. Moving on to non-GP specialists. Again, this pay varies depending whether you're public or private, depending whether you're procedural or non-procedural. Often the public sector pays less, but if you're employed as a staff specialist, there is um, you know, annual leave, study leave, professional development allowances. Interestingly, the New South Wales first year staff specialist rate is quite low. Comparatively speaking, 179,000. From my understanding, New South Wales and Australian Capital Territory are the lowest paying, while, for example, Queensland is pretty good as they pay overtime callbacks on top of the base rate. And there's a private practice allowance if you don't work um, in the private sector. Another way that um, non-GP specialists might be paid by the hospital is VMO work, which is visiting medical officer, often it's paid per patient seen um, or hourly rate. And again, it would depend on which hospital and 
probably negotiating with the hospital directly. Proceduralists can earn more. Of course, these are often specialties that are very hard and competitive to get into. It could be radiology, dermatology, anesthetics, ophthalmology, just to name a few. It's hard to get exact figures on how much these people earn, but anecdotally, um, anaesthetists can make 700000 to a million. Orthopedic surgeons, ophthalmologists, neurosurgeons can make two to three million, um, sometimes even more. A non-procedural physician such as an endocrinologist might make around 500000 Psychiatrists, you know, four hundred to 700000 Obviously, this just depends on how many hours you work whether um, and how much kind of procedural work and whether you're doing kind of locum work as well. Obviously, these figures that I've just talked about, often you will not be making this once you obtain fellowship. Often it will take a few years of doing, you know, extra perhaps overseas fellowship or doing mix of public and private um, and kind of building up your name and patient base. So now that we've talked about how much junior doctors, GPs, non-GP specialists earn, let's talk about what are some of the pathways for doctors coming into Australia. So doctors come from many countries and you need the correct visas and you'll be classified as an international medical graduate. And there's three pathways. Standard pathway, which is doctors seeking general registration. There's the competent authority pathway um, and specialist pathway. The competent authority pathway is intended for overseas trained non-specialists, but it's also available to specialists, including GPs. It is a pathway to general registration and doesn't directly result in recognising um, you as a specialist in Australia. The specialist pathway is for applicants in one of the following three categories. One, overseas trained specialists applying for assessment of comparability to the standard of a specialist trained in that specialty in Australia. Number two, overseas trained specialists applying for an area of need position. So this one can be quite common, you know, there might be a shortage in a particular specialty or location. And number three, overseas trained specialists or specialists in training wishing to undertake a short period of specialist or advanced training. So this could be, you know, a fellowship or observership, something along those lines. Now let's talk about moratorium, you know, a term which is often used. So under Section 19AB of the Australia's Health Insurance Act 1973, Foreign graduates of accredited medical schools and overseas trained doctors can come to Australia and practice medicine, but they need to work in a place designated as a DPA or distribution priority area in order to qualify for Medicare, billing Medicare. Places classified as DPA are usually in rural and regional Australia, um, and these places often don't have enough kind of local doctors to meet demands of the local population you have to do this for 10 years and this is the where the 10-year moratorium comes in and starts from date of medical registration finally today um, i hope you've learned some information about how much doctors can earn in australia 
However, it's not just how much you earn, it's how much you keep. You know, there are ways to maximize income, um, such as working more hours, working in areas of need, locuming. But importantly, you can also reduce your expenses um, and also reduce taxable income legally, of course. So I've kind of talked about these topics in some of my other episodes. So check out 7 Money Tips for Junior Doctors, another episode, Tax for Doctors, and I've also got some property-specific doctors. A lot of Australians tend to put their wealth in property, especially residential property. Some of these episodes I mentioned also cover topics like salary packaging, work-related tax deductions. So definitely check out those. Important takeaway is that the high income is important as definitely you opens you up to high living standard and able to invest more. But also as well, having the money management and actually doing the investment is very important. And that is um, a theme that I talk about on Passive Income Doctor. So using that disposable income to invest in assets, cash flow producing assets, but doing it in a safe way, having you know your buffers, your insurances, and setting aside money for professional development as well as personal development. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please take a moment now to hit the subscribe button and share the podcast because this will help others benefit also. So until next time, keep taking steps to improve your financial health. Oh,